Oh, I thought I was at peak 2022. I wonder, can somebody lift up a shout of praise in the house? We love you, Jesus. We worship you, oh God. For you alone are worthy to be praised in all the earth. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Such an honor to be in the house of the Lord. No matter where I'm at. Right now I'm traveling all over the country and it really doesn't matter to me. I'm just glad that they let me in the church. I'm just glad to be a part of the greatest thing on the face of the earth. I'm just glad to be connected with the one body and the one church. I'm just glad to be connected with apostolics all over the country. I'm just glad to be associated with the name above every name. Is anybody thankful that you know the name today? Amen. Amen. There's many things that comes to mind whenever we come to peak. I've been, man, rocking for a long time. I remember the spirit bank. I remember going all the way back. I've been to peak for a long time. Never imagined I would be standing here. But God knows how to do it best. God knows how to do it best. I'm just glad to be here tonight. Just glad to be in the presence of the Lord. Anybody come with expectation in your spirit that God's going to do something in this house? Did anybody come with expectation? I, I found that where there is expectation, there can be a Holy Ghost explosion. And so if I just got about 50 young people that'll get on board with me right now, we can have church in this house. God can move. God can heal your family. God can set you free. God can do a work. Praise God. Praise God. I want to give honor to the executive council, WPF, Youth Development Council. Anybody thankful to be in Houston tonight? Give honor to all of the fellow laborers this week that will be preaching. Been blessed by the ministries uh, for the first couple services and looking forward to those that are coming after me. I'm glad that I'm between Bishop Wilson and Pastor Stephen Collins, some of the greatest thinkers I've ever, I've ever heard. And so tonight, if you just go up with me, we're going we gonna to try to get there. But tomorrow, Brother Collins is going to break it down for us. So I'm just excited. I'm just excited to be at peak. I'm excited what God's doing. I'm just excited to see what God's going to do. I believe tonight. I believe that lives are going to be changed. I believe that people are going to be set free. Amen. I believe that. Does anybody believe that in the house? Give honor to my great bishop, Bishop Barry Sutton, Pastor Stephen Collins, New Life Church. I know you're here somewhere and I'm just glad that you're here. I owe that church and everybody in it my life. They pulled us out of a pit. I'm just glad to be standing here today. Give honor to my family, brothers here. Uh, his wife, his family, and my beautiful children, uh, Stella Jade, Beckham Gray, and Brooklyn Dior, my three beautiful children. Thank God for them and glad my beautiful wife is here. She is the greatest Christian that I know. So I'm just a blessed man tonight. I just feel like preaching tonight. Is that all right? Let's get right into the word of the Lord right now. 
127th Psalm. All of the accommodations, basket, the room, it's an honor. It's an honor to be here. 127th Psalm, when you got to say amen. If you need to say, wait on me. Amen. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. He said, lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows, somebody say the youth. Arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full, somebody say, of the youth. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak. One transliteration says they shall contend with the enemies in the gate. I truly believe that tonight is a night of destiny. I believe that lives are going to be changed. People are going to be set free by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, if you came to be changed today, today is your day. Tonight is your service. You don't have to walk out of here the same way that you came. But God is here to set you free tonight. And he who the Son is set free is truly free indeed. Does anybody believe that God can change your world tonight? Amen. For a couple moments, I want to preach to you on this title. Sharpen the arrows. Sharpen the arrows. If you'll clap your hands one more time as you're seated. There was a period of time that has forever marked the history of mankind. It was an unprecedented time that will never be forgotten. The alignment of nature, of nurture, of accident and opportunity created one of the most murderous dictators the world has ever seen. The year was 1933 and there arose a man by the name of Adolf Hitler. This was the beginning of a period that would end up being arguably one of the worst times in human history. And the events that follow would be called, as we know it, the Holocaust where body upon body of Jews were enslaved and taken to concentration camps where they would be treated like animals. The Holocaust was a genocide during World War II in which Hitler's Nazi Germany systematically murdered six million Jews. The Germans called it the final solution to the Jewish question. Life after life was taken. We've seen pictures of body upon body 
children, mothers, fathers, friends, and even babies. People were shot. People died of starvation. People were lied to and sent to the gas chambers. And Hitler's hate for the Jews fueled his continuation in war until the devastation of millions of lives resulted. And Hitler felt no remorse, but he was able to capture a fundamental truth, though he would use it for destruction. One key was needed to pull off the magnitude of the Holocaust. Hitler understood he alone who owns the youth gains the future. He said, I begin with the young. We older ones are used up. We are rotten to the morrow, but my magnificent youngsters, he said, are there any finer in the world? He said, with them, with the youth, with the young people, with children, he said, I can create a brand new world. And Hitler understood that if I can just capture the young people, that if I can just get the youth, that I can, if I can just get them to buy into my destruction, then anything was possible. Hitler truly believed that if he can capture them, the young people, the youth, the children, the teenagers, if he can get a hold of their attention, if he can captivate them, if he can grab them, then he can turn them toward destruction. The Rux Russian Marxist Vladimir Lenin would say, give me just one generation of youth and I'll transform the whole world. He said, give me just four years to teach your children and the seed that I've sown will never be uprooted. He said, give me one generation of young people. He said, give me one generation of youth. Give me four years with your young people and I will take them and I will turn them into whatever I want them to be. I've just come to preach today to somebody in this house that there are valuable things that are sitting under this building right now under the sound of my voice and it is the young people. It is the youth. I've come to preach to somebody right now and let you know that the youth has got strength, that the youth has got power that the young people are what we're going to build the church on. How? How could he get people convinced to buy in to his destruction? How do you get a group of young men to shoot people at point blank range? So captured, so captivated, so intrigued. How did Hitler turn a generation of youth into Nazis? And tonight I endeavor just like Hitler, not in the same way, obviously, but I just come to try to captivate your attention and your mind just tonight so you can understand that God's going to do something great with you. That God's going to move my... Hitler understood. He said, if I can just captivate the young people, if I can just get a hold of their attention, if I can just get their mind, if I can get them to buy in to what I'm trying to do, if I can do these things, then I truly believe that I can create a brand new world. And if we can do this, if we can understand the tactics of what God was trying to say or what they were trying to say in the book of Psalms, that children were truly arrows. He was trying to let them understand. He was 
was trying to let them understand and know that children of the youth are arrows to a mighty man. I've come to tell somebody on a Thursday night that there are young people in this building under the sound of my voice that if you get a hold of what I'm preaching tonight, if you truly understand that you can turn your world upside down... How did they get a generation of youth and turn them into Nazis? In 1937, the Boy Scouts were one of many youth organizations on the Nazis' forbidden list. Stay with me, we're going somewhere. Every non-Jewish boy in Germany was required to be a part of the Hitler Youth, the Nazi Youth Arm. And the Nazi Youth Arm would attack Boy Scouts and attempt to force them to join. The Hitler Youth was a group designed to indoctrinate kids into Hitler's ideology. And then they send them off to war. And as the Nazis became more powerful, the Youth Arm grew. In 1933, the Youth Arm had 50,000 members. By the end of the same year, there were more than 2 million. One of the largest youth groups ever. By 1936, all other youth groups were banned and were forced to become a part of Hitler's youth. This sent a clear message. Obey or be punished. At this point, the only way to be a part of anything was to join Hitler's youth. By 1939, over 90% of German youth were a part of the youth arm. The goal was to indoctrinate young people with Hitler's belief and get them to buy in. 100% the youth was a way to get Hitler's ideology into the family u- uh, unit and some would begin to deny their parents and they would use the youth or the young people to sneak the ideology into their parents and into the communities and into the churches even in some churches they would go there and they were patrolling churches to make sure that they were preaching Hitler's ideology anything else was unacceptable and the preachers in that day they would be in trouble if they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They would be in trouble if they were preaching any other doctrine except for Hitler's ideology. Hitler grabbed a hold of the radios. He started to feed this hatred for the Jews. He started to feed this hatred for the people, the Jews. And he wanted he wanted everybody in Germany. He wanted everybody to think like he thought, to go where he went, to do what he did. And they would use tactics. They would use tactics that the Boy Scouts would use. They would take these young men, they would take them on hiking trips. They would take them on camping trips. They would take them to summer camps. Anything to capture the allegiance of young people. But over time, the activities changed. And Hitler's group became more like a mini military than a Boy Scouts did. Then they imposed military-like orders on members, trained young men in everything from weapons to survival. All groups included hefty doses of propaganda that encouraged religious devotion to Hitler. The youth had been saturated in Hitler's ideology for many years, made obedient, fast, fanatical soldiers that would kill or even die for the cause. One man said these words, and I quote, he said, I belong to Hitler. He said, body, soul, and spirit. 
And this is misplaced passion because every young person has passion and every young person has something on the inside of them and every young person has a desire to be a part of something. I'm here to preach to somebody that there are young people. They don't want to just waste the time away. They're not just trying to play video games all day. They're trying to join a community. They're trying to be a part of something. That's why young people join games. They want to find a sense of family. They want to find a sense of community. They want to find a place to place their passion. They want to find a place where they feel apart. And so Hitler played off of this and he was picking them off one by one. At first you were forced to join, but in the, then it turned to a place where everybody wanted to go. You're a part of Hitler's youth. I want to be a part of Hitler's youth. You're doing this. I want to do that too. I'm telling somebody in this place that the church of the living God is the... Oh. The same passion, the same zeal, the same uh, indoctrination, the same understanding, the understanding that I just want to be a part of something great, that I just want to do some great things. I don't want to stay where I am. I want to be connected to a community. And what better community today than the church of the living God? I thank God that I found the community of the church. I lived in a neighborhood where gangs were all around me, but I thank God, I thank God that somebody found me on my way to a devil's hell and this zeal this passion had young people that bought in 100% they said I want to be connected to that I want to be a part of that and as they were key to the devastation of the holocaust some of these young people made up the SS authorities that you and I read about and Hitler took a page out of Psalm 127 and believed that children were truly arrows. He took it to heart. He said, I believe that. I believe that children are arrows and what he started doing, even though many people may not have known what he was up to, but Hitler knew full well, I've got some arrows in the quiver. I've got some arrows in the quiver. I want everybody to join. I want everybody to be a part. I want everybody to buy in to my destruction. And what he was doing is he was bringing those arrows in, but he took it a step further and he said, you know what? It's not enough just to have arrows in the quiver, but somewhere along the line I gotta start sharpening these arrows he started to he started to teach them everything he taught them how to war he taught them how to battle he taught them how to be the fiercest warriors he said the only way that I'm gonna be able to get them to pull off what I want them to pull off is if I train them if I spend time with my arrows and he started working on those arrows 
started sharpening those arrows. He spent his time making sure that they would have so much hatred in their heart that they would walk up to an innocent person uh, in the Holocaust and in the death camps and pull the trigger on them. He wanted to make sure that they had so much hatred in their heart for the Jews that they would drag them to the gas chambers. He wanted to make sure that they had so much hatred for the Jews that they didn't even look at them like humanity. I've come to tell somebody that on the other side of the coin can be a church of the living God that gets a 100% buy-in to the kingdom and said, whoa! Somebody that just says, I just want to buy into this thing. Hook, line, and sinker. I belong to God. Body, soul, and spirit. All of me. It's not just my mind that belongs to God, but my body belongs to God. It's... Praise God. I'm just preaching my way into this. Is that all right? We're going to get there. Hitler started to sharpen the arrows, indoctrinating them with his ideology. They took out all the Christian uh, stuff in the schools. They took out all of the religious devotion in the school. And when young people had to walk into the school, they had to turn and hold their hand up and say, hell Hitler. And he was changing the course of that country. But all the young people were familiar with the ideology. He was putting it in children's books. He was putting it all over the, the, the place. He was making sure that everybody had a, had a hatred for the Jews and they were convinced they were persuaded in the fight that they were fighting and you my friend have to be convinced and persuaded that this fight that we're fighting is a fight worth fighting somewhere along the line you've got to ask yourself the question is this fight worth fighting because God the difference between Hitler and the God that you serve is he's never going to force you to enlist in his army God's never going to drag you to the battlefield God's never going to make you fight the good fight but you got to be persuaded You've got to be absolutely convinced that this fight is a fight worth fighting. I know it for myself, but somewhere along the line, every young person under the sound of my voice has to get up and say, this is a fight worth fighting. There's something to fight for. I've got to stand for truth. I've got to stand for the doctrine. I've got to stand for the church. David. David is in his father's flock, I mean his father's field, and he's tending the sheep, doing what he was supposed to do. Let me stop and tell a young person, you need to be faithful in the house of God. You need to be faithful if you're a preacher, and you need to be faithful if you're sweeping the floors. You need to get an attitude in your spirit that I just want to be faithful. I just want to be faithful. And David... With the anointing oil already on his life. He's in his father's field. David is tending the sheep. His brothers are off to battle. 
His dad said, I want you to go and check on your brothers. He goes down there, brings them some food and checks on them. And when he gets there, for 80 days, and for 40 days, twice a day, 80 times, the people of God was being tormented by Goliath. He would challenge them twice a day for 40 days. And he would say, send me a man. Send me a man. David trots down to the battlefield. And David hears the voice one time. And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would defy the armies of the living God? And then he said, is there not a cause? You've got to hear what I'm preaching to you today. David's brothers were warriors. Saul was a man of war. But nobody, I said nobody, thought it was a fight worth fighting. I wanted to do, I got an apostolic young person that'll stand up on a Thursday night and understand this fight is a fight worth fighting. Nobody can grab you by your collar and make you live this. Nobody can grab you by your collar and make you fight. I'm telling you, God takes volunteers. He said, does anybody want to come and fight? Does anybody want to be on the battlefield fighting for the Lord? David had an attitude in his spirit. He said, I'm sick and tired of people coming up against the kingdom of God. He only heard it one time. They were listening to this trash for 40 days and 40 nights. Somewhere along the line, you got to get a fight back in your spirit. Somewhere along the line, you got to stand up for yourself. Somewhere along the line, you got to learn how to war. You got to learn how to fight. You got to learn. David, a man, a young man, had an attitude in his spirit. I'm telling you, when you get when you get fed up with the enemy smacking you around, then you'll stand up for yourself and you'll say, you're not going to take my mind anymore. You're not going to have my thoughts anymore. I'm sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of watching young people that of watching young people that the devil's got a foothold in their mind. I just come to tell the devil today that the apostolic church has come to fight back. I'm David said, David said he's, he's stopping the progress of the church. He's standing in the way. He's standing in a place. He's standing in a place that would stop our tracks. We were trying to move forward into a land that God said belonged to Judah. He said, but you got to get out of the way. I got an attitude in my spirit that ain't no devil in hell going to stop what the church is doing. Ain't no devil in hell going to stop what God wants to do. Ain't no devil in hell going to stop apostolic young people. But I thank God for David, who said, I'm not going to stand around. I'm not going to stand around 
and I'm not going to watch somebody take advantage of the kingdom of God. I've come to tell somebody, it's time that you stand up for yourself for truth. It's not enough that your mama knows it. It's not enough that daddy knows it. It's not enough that your pastor knows it. Somewhere along the line, you've got to get this down in your spirit. There's a difference between knowing the word and living the word. And I thank God for Bible quizzing. I was a Bible quizzer. But somewhere along the line, it's got to take the 18 inch trip from the brain and just head knowledge of I can just pull Acts 238 or I can just pull holiness but it comes to a place where it's got to take that journey down into your heart and get in your spirit I'm telling you this is more than just quoting scriptures this is more than just knowing the doctrine you've got to get it internalized in your spirit I'm telling a young person right now under the sound of my voice that if you get the word of God in your heart and get the word of God in your mouth that no devil and hell is going to be able to stop it was bigger than David he was fighting a fight that was worth fighting was the odds stacked against him? Absolutely in terms of physicality. But he had God on his side. And I'm telling somebody, I don't know who your adversary is or what you're facing. But greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. I'm not afraid of the devil. I'm not afraid of an adversary. I'm not afraid of anybody that will try to stop me. Because God is on my side. And if God said it's so, then baby it's so. We can have the victory. You can have peace. You can have joy. You can have righteousness in the hope. World War II. They call it the greatest generation. Young men were flocking to war. They were going to war because they just wanted to fight. I read somewhere where people, young people that didn't get accepted to go into the war would commit suicide because they wanted to be a part of the cause. They wanted to be a part of something great. Hear me today. 18 and 19 year olds. I'm a young man, but this, this gripped my spirit. 18 and 19 year olds at Normandy on the cliffs at Point du Hawk. These men, they were going in for a mission and they were going to try to destroy the enemy's guns that were at the top of these cliffs. And these men, the time got messed up. They were supposed to be there at a certain time. If they got there at a certain time, they would have the covering that they needed in order to do the task without the enemy knowing. GPS broke and they got off track and they showed up to those cliffs. Almost two hours later, the enemy was set up. And these young men, 18 and 19 year olds, said, you know what? We bought into this and we're dedicated to this cause. And they said, you know what?
for those young men the day before if you read some of the some of the interviews the day before most of those young men they had food poisoning and they said do you want to do it another day they said no sir we've trained for this all of our lives and they loaded up on that boat and they headed to those cliffs and they get there and you've got to see it you've got to understand these hundred foot high cliffs they're, they're, they're going to scale these cliffs they're going to get up to the top but men were facing down on them waiting on them to come up and these men they hooked up to that cliff and they just said you know what if I die let me die but this is the cause that I want to fight for And you gotta see the picture. You've gotta see them climbing those cliffs. And you gotta see 18 and 19 year old kids. They were putting their lives on the line. They were putting everything on the line. And they were climbing up to an enemy that was shooting them right here. And people would see men fall off of the cliffs. And those young men had a dedication and a determination in their spirit. And they say, I've got a cause. And I found something that I deem worth fighting for. I just come to tell the church that if they can fight for that then we can fight for the kingdom of God those men this is the crazy part 75% of that army perished everybody that was a part of the second rangers were there volunteering. Nobody forced them to go to war. Nobody forced them to go to battle. These men, they said, you know what? We're going to fight for country, duty, honor, honor, and country. And this was their cause. Their cause was to permit, protect the American soil. Their cause was to make sure that the truths and the principles of the Constitution might be able to endure. And so men and women lost their lives so that we can live free. But I'm telling you, that is such a great cause. And I'm thankful that I'm able to walk in freedom. And I'm thankful for my country. But I serve a God. I said, I serve a God who has a kingdom and his kingdom. I just want to know. If those men can buy in 100%, can I get apostolic young people on a Thursday night at peak to buy in 100% to say I'm putting it all on the line, that I'm going to do everything that I can for the kingdom of God. Because when you get a cause... got something to fight for and it don't matter what come up against you it doesn't matter the circumstance or the situation I'm telling you I got a wife and three babies and I will fight anybody for them I don't care how big you are I don't care what weapons you got those are mine and God gave them to me and I will fight you tooth and nail for my family but when you get a hold of the kingdom of God nobody's gonna take the kingdom from me this kingdom saved my life this kingdom set me free this kingdom
depression and anxiety is wrecking the minds of young people and I come to preach to it today I come to tell you that if you are depressed if you have anxiety in your if you have I'm preaching to somebody right now I'm reaching for somebody right now if you are depressed I'm telling you the way that you get rid of depression and I believe in doctors and I believe in medicine and I believe in cases that need all of that but I don't feel to qualify what I'm saying because I serve the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and God can set anybody free But let me tell you another cure for depression. If you get a cause that's bigger than yourself, then you'll get over your depression. If you get a cause that's bigger than self to fight for, if you get in, if you get a hold of the kingdom of God, then your depression will go away. I'm telling somebody in the Holy Ghost right now, you've been searching for answers. You've been to doctor after doctor, but I've come to tell somebody that you go teach a home Bible study and that'll help with that depression. You go teach a home Bible study and that'll help with that anxiety. You go find somebody and win them to God and that'll... I'm not diminishing your situation at all. But I'm just telling you that oftentimes when you get your hands busy in the kingdom of God, those things start to go away because you found another joy to live for. You found another peace. You found another mercy. You found a place where you can say, I'm going to put everything in the hands of the kingdom. I'm going to do everything for the kingdom of God. And suicide. Yeah, I'm coming after you, suicide. I'm sick of suicide. I'm telling you, you probably don't even want me to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it because there are some people in this place right now that's struggling with the spirit of suicide. And I've come to... Hear me today. Second leading cause of death between the ages of 15 and 24 is suicide. We've got 6,000 young people here, plus one in every 15 young people have attempted suicide. Got about 15 people right here. Statistics say that one of you is dealing with suicide. So why would we be quiet about it? Hey. Hey, I'm just trying to save somebody's life tonight. I'm just trying to grab somebody back from the forces of hell. I'm just trying to reach for your children. You may not even know what they're struggling with, but I was a youth pastor for a long time, and I know that parents don't even know what's going on, but this preacher's going to preach to you and let you know God's got a purpose for your life. God's got a plan for your life. God wants to do something with you. You've got to get busy in the kingdom.
Don't you give up today, child of God. Don't you give up. My God, my God, don't you give up. I'm telling you, just give me a few more minutes. Just give me a few more minutes. I want to preach you out of that spirit of suicide right now. I want to let you know that there is something greater for your life. That there is something bigger for your life. That... Praise God. He said, I'm going to say it again. But here's the thing. I'm telling you, I'm reaching for somebody right now. I know what I feel. I'm reaching for somebody right now. You've been battling those thoughts and you came to, you come to peak today and those thoughts have been wrecking your mind and you said, God, if you just send me a preacher today that'll help me in my situation to tell me that I've got a purpose and I've got a plan and God wants to do something for me. Hey, hey, God can use you. God can work through you. Your pastor can use you. God wants to do something in your life. bigger than you I'm telling you when you start when you start dealing with souls I'm telling you in Pentecost and I'm, I'm trying to somebody just come grab me if I'm wrong my pastor's right there in Pentecost our hands are so clean We come and get dressed all up. It's almost like we just volleying the ball back and forth to each other. And we shout about things in the church. But we fail to take them beyond the four walls. So what happens is we get in an atmosphere like this and everybody has clean hands because not many people have been truly reaching after we leave peak. My God, my God. And we get to a place where we get comfortable coming to conferences but we get uncomfortable when visitors walk in. Listen to me, I was at a conference recently. I won't tell you the place, I've been to a bunch of them recently. I was there, the man of God was preaching under the conviction of the Holy Ghost. 
and he started to get on homosexuality and I believe all of it. I believe the book. But when he started to get on that, there was a man that was clearly struggling with that in the back of the church and that man was struggling with that spirit but something led him and drew him into the house of God and I don't have a problem. Everybody has a choice. He can get up and leave if he wants to and so that's what he chose to do. But what really vexed my spirit What vexed my spirit is that the ushers of that church were high-fiving each other saying, we got another one out. Why are we a church? Let me remind you, we are a hospital. And let me remind you again, such was some of you, but you've been washed by the blood. I thank God for the blood of Jesus that washes away my sins. I thank God for the blood of Jesus that'll cover all of my scars. I thank God. I was sick to my stomach. I'm telling you, I wanted to leave town right then. Because you know who goes and does reconnaissance after that? It's God in the middle of the night. Again, because he's already drew him to the house. He has to go back to that man after the church didn't want him. And I'm not talking about the preaching. I'm just talking about those that said it doesn't matter if you stay or if you go. It doesn't matter. We don't care about your soul. My God, my God. Baptize us with the spirit of evangelism. Baptize us with the spirit of reaching again. That's a cause that's worth fighting for. A soul is a cause that's worth fighting for. If you don't hear anything else I say tonight, remember that trekking through your city with a Bible study chart and a Bible is something that's worth fighting for. When you go and find that soul, then you got to fight for them. You got to pull them back in the house of God. So, when you get a hold of what God has called you to be, and you start to understand the ideology, you can understand that children are truly arrows, and the children, the youth, are our greatest weapon. I just come to tell a youth pastor today, don't forget that you're taking care of the greatest assets in the kingdom of God. Don't look past that youth pastor position. Don't use you, Pastor, as a stepping stone to greater ministry. You got your hands. They say the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And when you get an understanding that you've got a hand in shaping arrows and making sure that we've got strong, sharpened arrows in the quiver, then you won't look past that small thing that you're doing. telling you, I pray that somebody wakes up tomorrow with a greater understanding of what we actually have in our hands right now. 
Your pastor will pray. He will preach. He will teach. He will equip. He believes that you are arrows. I believe that you are arrows. But the conversation shifts on his head when young people get a hold of who they are. I just come to tell you, you are an arrow. You are a weapon in the hand of a mighty man. When you understand who you are, then you walk in a different determination and a different spirit that says I'm a weapon in the hands of a mighty man. start to walk a little bit different when you know you're affecting the, the gates of hell you start walking a little bit different it's not arrogance but it's understanding i finally know the purpose of why i was created i finally understand i was looking around for my purpose and as a young person i know what that is you're dragging around trying to find what god has created you to be but oh one day when you get a hold of who god has called you to be when you understand that you're an arrow baby you're a weapon in the hand of a mighty man living with a different determination and oftentimes we can't see the progress that we're making but when you snatch one from the forces of hell because make no mistake about it as much as we're fighting for you in here hell is fighting too And there is a tug of war for your soul. The devil wants your sanity. The devil wants your purity. The devil wants your talents and your... The devil wants to win your soul. The devil too is a soul winner. He's trying to get you to bend towards destruction. He's trying to get you to a place where you're working for him. And the devil is tactful. Because the devil will leave young people wondering aimlessly. And they'll have this thing called analysis paralysis. Where they just go around in a circle and they're never able to make a decision. And I'm telling somebody right now that today you can make a decision and choose to live for God. You can say, God, you know what? I'm throwing everything else out of the window. And I'm going to walk for your truth. And I'm going to stand for you. And I'm going to live for you. And I'm... I just feel like preaching. Fragility of life. Hear me today. I know what I'm talking about. In 2014, I buried my mother. Two months ago, we buried my wife's mother. A week after our honeymoon, we buried her father. We have buried three parents in nine years of marriage. And as this thing keeps ticking and ticking and ticking, I start to realize how fragile this life is. Here today, gone tomorrow, a wave tossed in the ocean, a vapor in the wind. Life is short. The enemy knows this. And so what he does is he ties your hands. And he wants to keep young people in a place of inactivity. And I just come to preach if there was ever an hour... 
If there was ever a day that you need to figure out who you are and get a hold of your calling, today is that day. You've got to stand up and say, I want to know what God wants me to do. There's a desperation in the atmosphere that says, I got to get a hold of my call. I got to get a hold of my destiny. I got to learn that I'm an arrow in the hands of a mighty man today. Waste all your time away. It's a trick, I'm telling you. He's trying to just keep you in a place where you're immobile and not doing anything for the kingdom of God. But I wonder tonight, and I'm not just trying to hype nobody up. If you want it, you can have it. But I'm telling somebody right now, you can get a hold of your calling. You can tell God, God, I'm tired of walking around in circles. I'm tired of going through the motions. I'm tired of going to conference after conference and leaving the same way that I came. But tonight, I said tonight, I got to stand up and ask you, God, what is my purpose? What is my calling? Another trick of the enemy is the enemy wants to pitch you against the refining tools in your life. He wants to pitch you against your man of God. Yeah. Anybody that tries to pitch you against your pastor, they're not of God. I don't care if they got a Jerry curl and a three-piece suit on. They're not of God. They're trying to separate you from your man of God. And you just got to stay tethered to the man of God. And you got to say, I'm not going anywhere. I don't... They're trying to pitch you against the man of God when he has to reprimand you. They're trying to pitch you against him. They're trying to tell you he's just trying to hold you up. He's trying to waste all of your ability. He's trying to waste all of your talent. He's never going to use you. Let me tell you what your man of God is doing. He's sharpening the arrows. He's sharpening the arrows. He's making sure that you're ready to go. He's making sure that you can penetrate the gates of hell. So when you get set down for a little while, don't get bitter, get better. In Birmingham, Bishop Sutton's got a green couch. And if you're ever sitting on that green couch, it's trouble. And you take that walk of shame out of that office from sitting on the green couch. I only had to sit on it one time, thank God. So when you get up from the green couch, don't go try to jump to another church. When you get up from the green couch, don't try to say, man, my pastor doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm the best preacher this church has ever seen. You better sit down somewhere and you better listen to the man of God. You better get an attitude that says ain't nothing going to separate me from my man of God. There's nobody going to separate me from the man of God. the threshing floor 
It's the potter's wheel. It's gold tried in fire. And there has to be some friction when you're sharpening. Right, right. So everything ain't going to be smooth in the kingdom of God. Because your pastor and your leadership and the youth development council, we're just trying to knock off some edges that don't belong there. We're trying to sharpen you into the arrow that you need to be. You've got to wake up and understand that the threshing floor is a part of the process. Don't you ever learn how to, how to bifurcate the process. But you've got to say, I embrace the process. And you got to learn how to fall in love with the refining tools of God. you got to say, God, if my back needs to be broken, then God break my back. God, if I need to walk a little bit different, then let me walk a little bit different. You're an arrow. And what leadership is trying to do is make sure that when they send you out, you're effective. I know what I'm talking about. I didn't preach till I was 27. I thought that was funny when they put that on there. Some of y'all saying, I can tell. Couldn't care. Here's the thing. I know what it is to sit in Bishop Sutton's workshop and let him teach me how to win souls before he ever taught me how to preach. I know what it is for him to say, before you touch a pulpit, you need to touch a Bible study chart. I know what it is for him to say, you want to preach? There's a school over there that needs God. There's a street corner that needs God. There are people in your neighborhood that you can preach to. I just come to tell a young preacher, stop getting fascinated with the pulpit and understand there's a pulpit wherever you set it up. If you set it up outside of these doors, you're preaching. Don't get frustrated, young people. Don't get frustrated with the process. Joseph had to walk through the process. Joseph had to go into the pit. Yes, sir. Amen. And then he had to go to Potiphar's house. And then he went to prison. And in each one of those places, he was being sharpened into what he needed to be in order to stand in the palace. And you may say, it's not fair that I'm in this pit. I didn't do anything wrong. Why am I in this place? Why am I in a Potiphar's house? Why am I a slave? I'm a good man. Why am I a slave to Potiphar's house? Why am I in this prison? I didn't do anything wrong. But Joseph had to understand when he got over on the other side, he understood it better by and by. I needed to go through the pit so I can be separated. I needed to go to Potiphar's house so I can learn about finance. I needed to go to the prison so I can learn how to lead. I'm telling a young Joseph right now that you just got to go through the process. And as you walk through that process, you start to understand this whole time. God was sharpening the arrow. All along the way, 
There's nothing wasted. I'm telling you, I, I just feel like I need to talk to somebody that's been sitting in a holding place for a little while. And you've just been sitting there and you're wondering, when is my time going to come? God, when am I going to do the things that you promised me that you would do? I'm holding on to these dreams. God, I'm holding on to this stuff. I just come to preach to you. Don't get frustrated. Just wait out the process. God is working on you. God has given you the tools that you need in order to stand in the place that God has called you to stand. We're sharpening the arrows. An arrowsmith, an arrow development, in ancient warfare, they had many arrowsmiths. Each army had his own arrowsmith. And they can produce these arrows and they would create these arrows and they would use metal. And so they had to forge these arrows and this old development of arrows and they would work on them. And the battle was raging and the battle was on the way and everything was happening. And so it depended on how fast they can get arrows to the battlefield. Your success depended on how quickly you can get uh, arrows to the battlefield. And so the arrowsmith would work frantically to produce these arrows. And one of the biggest detriments to ancient warfare is if an army would run out of arrows. And so they created a tactic of war. They would get teenage boys, they would get young people, they would get the youth. And they would get those boys to frantically run out to the battlefield. And they were looking for something. They were trying to find something. They were looking for broken arrows that may be in the field. I'm about to preach to somebody right now. And they would run out to that battlefield, those 10 and 11 year old boys in that ancient time. They would run out to the battlefield and they would find broken arrows. And you know what? The arrowsmith didn't have a trash can for the broken arrows. But the arrowsmith would take the broken arrow and he would start to put it back together again. Can I preach to somebody that if you're broken, if you're messed up, if you're busted and disgusted, God can use you again. God can work with you again. His mercy are new every morning. Because there's weapons that the devil has got convinced in this building. That because I messed up, because I made a mistake, because I've fallen one too many times, that I can never be used in the kingdom of God, that I can never be a sharp arrow in the hand of a mighty man. But the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. I've come to preach hope today. I've come to preach... Simon, Simon, Satan has desire to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail you not. And when thou art converted, he said, There's some things that's got to happen in your life, Simon Peter. 
He says, you don't understand who you are yet. You're going to fall. You're going to make mistakes. But I got a caveat. When you are converted. He didn't say your brothers are going to strengthen you. He said, Peter, you've got to understand. There's one man with the keys to the kingdom. And somebody's got to preach. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But if Peter never got up out of shame if Peter never got up and understood that he can work with them again that God would put them back together again that God would use them again then we would have never heard Acts 2 just want to preach to somebody and let you know God can still use you I can still use you. We need all hands on deck. We need everybody getting a part of who God has called them to be and walking and waging out the battle and doing the things that God has called them to do. I'm telling you, the biggest way that we're going to win the battle in this wicked last day is if we get the arrows, if we get the young people to stand up and fight, to say, we're going to walk this thing out. I'm going to get a hold of my purpose. I'm going to get a hold of my calling. I'm almost done preaching. Come to the music. Jesus, help us today. Just try to help somebody today. In warfare, there's a thing we have to understand. We've got to understand that there is a time to sharpen the arrows. And there is a time of war. There's a time where we take the time to sharpen the arrows, to sharpen you, to make sure you're ready to go, to make sure everything is right. But then there is other times when we don't have time. Your leadership doesn't have time to make sure you're, you're sharp. I would do it myself, but I'm from the hood. And so when the mighty man gets the arrow in his hand and he gets ready to pull back and shoot, he doesn't have time to make sure the arrow is sharp. In the heat of the battle, when the mighty man is in the middle of warfare, he doesn't have time when he pulls out of his quiver to make sure that you've been praying, that you've been reading your Bible, that you've been fasting, that you've been doing the things that you're supposed to do. But when the arrow, when the, when the mighty man pulls it back, he's got to be able to depend on the arrows that he's sharpened. He's got to be able to know that they've got it all together. He's got to be able to know that I'm going to be able to use them. I can depend. Depend on you. We can't pray for you all the time. As the church grows larger because you're bringing in souls, he can't touch you every day. So you got to stay ready. They say if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. 
And I just come to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost that God wants to use you as an arrow. That God wants to work with you. That you're an arrow, baby, in the hands of a mighty man. And when the mighty man gets the bow, he's going to reach in and he's going to pull out a sharp arrow that can penetrate the gates of hell. That can contend with the enemies in the gate. But I got a question. How can you contend with the enemies in the gate when everything on your Instagram is not like God? How can you contend with the enemies in the gate if your Snapchat is out of control? How can you contend with the enemies in the gate if you're hopelessly addicted to pornography? How can you contend with the enemies in the gate if you don't... Jeremiah 12 and 5, the Bible says, Thou hast ran with the footmen and were weary. What makes you think you can contend with the horses? Hey, I just come to preach to somebody. If you get a hold of who you are tonight, I'm telling you, do not let the moment pass you by. Tonight is your night to figure out who you are and to make a declaration and a decision that I am going to be an arrow in the hands of a mighty man. I wonder, do I got some people in the house, some young apostolic young people that'll say, I'm an arrow, baby. I'm a weapon in the hands of a mighty man. Musicians, come. God wants to do something supernatural in this house right now. I wonder, can we lift up our hands right now? Come on, child of God, you're an arrow. You're a weapon. Don't let the enemy make the weapon dull and of no effect. Don't let social media make the weapon dull and of no effect. Don't let pornography make the weapon dull and of no effect. I wonder right now, can somebody lift up your voice? Go ahead and pray. I feel something right now in the atmosphere. God's working right now. God's moving right now. Come on, you're an arrow today. You're a weapon in the hands of a mighty man. God wants to use you to contend with the enemies in the game. God wants to use you to fight on the battlefield. God wants to use you in this wicked and last day. Come on somebody, this is our day. This is our time.
somebody's going to get their breakthrough today. Somebody's going to get their miracle today. Somebody's going to figure out that God created you to be a weapon in the hands of a mighty man. Be a weapon. 